0: Welcome to your Pathways to Wealth, where Charlie Massimo and Peter Anastasian are on a mission to bring clarity to the world of finances. Together, they bring a wealth of knowledge to help you uncover a way to simplify your financial life. Join Charlie and Peter and their guest experts as they venture to help you preserve what you've built and enjoy what you've earned. Now, let's talk wealth.
1: Most of us learn to save at a young age, and that's a habit we hopefully maintain as we move through our lives and careers. Now, a chunk of those dollars we earmark for retirement. A wonderful thing. But are those assets growing? Will they be enough? Charlie Massimo and Peter Anastasian can help answer those questions and others. I'm Patrice Sikora. And Charlie, I'm going to ask you, I want to know who today thinks all by themselves they are savvy enough to negotiate the world of finance and retirement savings.
2: Everyone thinks they're able to do this by themselves. <laughs> it amazes me. Nobody wants to cut their own lawn because it's too difficult, but this they feel they can master. It, it amazes analogy. us. Yeah, it amazes us. Um, but, and, and you know, Patrice, this is probably one of the most challenging areas for anyone. I don't, you know, when we speak to a client where they have a million, 10 million or 30 million, they are having difficulty figuring out How do I turn my portfolio into a paycheck? And and I really feel this is where Peter and I or any real good advisor brings their true value to the table.
1: Well, where do you start with this? I mean, you're right. They've got to make this their paycheck from now on.
2: Yeah, that's it. And, And so many people will come to us. And to your point, where do we start? Well, first, you have to have some sense of how much money do I really need in retirement. And it's so difficult for people to understand. And toward the end of this episode, I'm going to give you a really simple formula to figure out how much money you'll need for retirement. Um, And then really, once you have that number, everything works from there. Because think about it. The only question you really need to answer is, will I outlive my money? Or will my money outlive me? Is there anything other than your health? Is there anything more important than that?
1: But now you just said something in there that I think many people don't even know. How much money will they need per year? What are they living on now?
2: Do they know? Well, I, I think budgeting is the one thing people just hate to do. Yep. Uh, but when you get closer to retirement, this is what's either going to save you or not. And And having that number and understanding. And really, you just have to take a look at what we usually ask people. Well, how much do you take home? Every paycheck. And do you have everything, anything left at the end of that paycheck or not? And if you don't, you simply know that you just take that, multiply it by 12. And pretty much that's what you're living off of and maybe some more. But you have to start with a number to understand. And, then, you know, in retirement, there's so many other things you need to think about, like, how much in taxes do I need to pay? You know, while we're working, we get a paycheck. The taxes are taken out for us. We don't have to think about it. But retirement, not only do you have to figure out how much do you need, you have to figure out how much in taxes do I have to pay? And oh, by the way, if it's coming out of a IRA account, well, you have to figure out there's more taxes because that's never been taxed before. Mm-hmm. And, and you also actually have to figure out what, what you have,
3: right? I, I think a lot of times we take that for granted and we've met countless families who have multiple accounts accounts everywhere 5 10 15 titled all the same way and when you really ask them you know how much do you have they may feel they know but when you actually receive the statements analyze the statements and take a full inventory you'd be surprised how uh, how many times they may be off uh, no matter the level of wealth
1: and i think it's to your point both of you this is a mindset shift we're accumulating, we're saving, but then we have to go into the, I'm taking, I'm taking distribution phase. How do people deal with that?
2: And and, and I think what we, tr- well, what we try to do, I think we try to bring some certainty in, into an uncertain world and some clarity. So we look to take everything to Peter's point, all the resources that they have and have a really deep conversation about how much do they think they will need. Um, and then, and then we kind of lay it out what it might look like over the next twenty to thirty years. And again, I'm not it's nothing about projecting returns. It's about looking at if I start today and I need you know hundred thousand dollars if I need eight thousand dollars a month in retirement, just the trend line inflation at three percent in ten years, you'll need ten and a half thousand dollars a month just to equate to the eight thousand dollars you need today. And people just don't understand that. So the more we could put it on paper, the more we can help them visualize it, the clearer it becomes on how they need to work toward achieving it. But unless you put it on paper, you're never going to achieve the goal or very rarely will you ever achieve the goal.
3: Right. And and as Charlie mentioned, determining how much you need, especially on a monthly basis is critical. But then a a subsequent question is, where do we draw those dollars from? Which accounts? And, And as mentioned before, I can't tell you how many individuals or families have multiple IRAs, multiple 401ks or 403bs. And all of a sudden, where which account are we drawing from? What's the risk profile amongst all these different accounts? What is my required minimum distribution? Do I take it all from one account? Do I take it from multiple accounts? And a big part of this is now trying to simplify their lives. And this is truly where we help most of our clients is in the distribution phase of their lives as well.
1: And, and to your point, Peter, they've got these accounts, but are the accounts growing? Will they continue to grow?
3: Correct. I, one of the first questions we'll always ask is, what is your investment philosophy specific to each account? And a lot of times you may you know have a, a face or, or eyes or uh, stare at you and, and you know question exactly, or it's a little unclear as to what it is. Uh, but for from our perspective, it's more a matter of creating an overarching structure based more so on the taxation of the accounts. So, for instance, if there are four or five accounts that are all pre-tax, 401ks, 403bs, regular IRAs, there's truly no reason not to consolidate these because now you have this bucket that we know exactly the amount of distributions we can take, or what's the proper amount and what kind of risk profile we could associate with that, as well as the required min- minimum distributions associated with it. But when you have it all over the place, it becomes very, very difficult. And and a lot of times provides a lot of anxiety as an investor.
2: Yeah. yeah and, and Patrice, getting back to your question of, it has to continue to grow. And that's so true. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we see people make other than what Peter just mentioned of multiplying their accounts all over the place which just becomes a nightmare um people think they need to get more conservative in in retirement and that may that was the that's an old way of thinking about it for two reasons and what i mean more conservative they buy more fixed income than they do equities because they're afraid of volatility but there's a few things you need to think about you know, when my parents retired, I think the, you know, the, the age uh, of, of when they would live to, the, I think the expectancy was probably in their eighties, 80s, low eighties. 80s. Um, and certainly my father did only live to his low eighties, but my mom's mid eighties and still living now the life expectancy are, are in their nineties. I mm-hmm. mean, so you have to think about if the average age is 62 of retirement, you need to have your retirement income last at least another 30 years. And if you put your money in fixed income bonds, you know, bonds are not, they're not made to go up in income, they stay flat. So if you're earning 5% today and you buy a 10 year bond, you're earning 5% in 10 years. Well, if inflation keeps going up, you have no choice but to start taking principal because your income or your growth is not keeping up with your income needs. And, And this is where people just don't understand the value of equities in retirement especially when you think about dividends, and we always kind of throw this out to our, to our clients. You know, Since 1960, the consumer price index, that's kind of what measures inflation, has risen nine times, while the cash dividends of the S&P 500 companies, those great, big, wonderful companies of, in the United States, have risen 60 times. I mean, just think about that. So if your cost of living is rising nine times over your lifetime, but your in- but your gr- income, because the dividends, is growing 60 times, mm. that's a lot of surplus to leave for your loved ones, to leave a legacy, and to put it in real dollars. If, if my parents put $10,000, which they didn't, into an S&P fund in 1962, today it'd be worth about $4 million. By doing nothing and just keeping it there and letting it grow – and, and the mindset, the mind shift has to change with retirees. They have to put up with the volatility of equities. That doesn't mean taking undue risk, but they have to put up with the volatility of equities to make sure that they never have to give up their lifestyle.
1: So basically, you, you've you talked about uh, this critical issue. It's not so much the level of your income. It is the trajectory. And that's what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because going back to this that example of fixed income, even if you start year one, I'll go back to my $8,000 a month e- example. If you need $8,000 a month, and let's just say your cost of living is $6,000, well, you have a $2,000 surplus. But as time goes on, if your income stays at $8,000, eventually the lines are going to cross and your cost of living is going to surpass your income. And it's not so much will it, it's when it does. And when it does, that's when you hit principal. And that's when you start running out of money so quickly because it multiplies so fast. And, and one way we address that
3: is by creating a bucket strategy, right? Because by having reserves in place, meaning your two or next two or three years of income that are in cash, cash equivalents, treasuries that are short term, psychologically as a retiree, you feel a lot more confident knowing that these dollars are already reserved. They're dedicated for your next two or three years of income. And when the markets come down, because no one can predict exactly when they come down and whether they come down 10%, 30%, or even 50% in extreme circumstances, knowing that you have that side bucket and reserve available to you is very uplifting in many ways, especially, and very similar to, let's say, a teacher who has a pension because they know those dollars are there. And, and that's a big part of our planning process, especially during retirement.
1: But even pensions, I mean, how many people really have them now? <laughs>
2: Not that many. Yeah. <laughs> Not and They're that going many. away fast faster yeah. and faster I think that's why that's why Peter married a teacher because she knew one day <laughs> one day that was the pension he was living off of <laughs> that's right
1: now that you'll was, be uh, doing much better come on you'll be doing much better yeah, Peter. <laughs>
2: yeah. But, but, but but it is true you know how many people live off that pension yeah. um but and even with people with a pension it's just not enough to live the life that they've become accustomed to it's just such a difficult thing for for clients to grasp.
1: All right. Now right. that you've given your listeners heart palpitations, tell, <laughs> tell me your theories. What what should be done here?
2: Well, well. I, again, we're going to go back to what we always say. First, first, you start with the goal, and and again, what I mean, the goal is not buying a house or another Ferrari. We can be, but the goal is knowing exactly how much you need for retirement. Well, and we'll talk about that formula in a second. Once you know that goal, you build the plan around the goal. And, and again, a plan is not outperforming or beating an index. That's just not a plan. The plan means, hey, I have a, I, I need to get to X amount of money. This is what I have now. This is my gap. This is how we're going to fill that gap. And then third, you build the portfolio around the plan to support the goal. It should never be out of that sequence. And what I mean, let's just say hypothetically, we need a 6% return for you to meet all your needs, income needs and growth needs. Well, why build a portfolio that historically has gone up 30 and down 40 and down markets when that's not what you need? So you need to understand the numbers and you need to understand why you're building the portfolio and then put it on paper. And Once you see it on paper, it becomes a reality and, and it becomes something easier to stick with.
1: That certainly does make sense. Putting it on paper really brings it home. And I think it's easier for you to stick with, too.
2: Right. I I think Peter actually alluded to before. It's true. Once you could see it, Mm -hmm. right, it's easy. Once it becomes a tangible number, if it stays intangible, you're never going to know what you're reaching for. But once it becomes tangible, you can gauge how far you are or how close you are to that goal. But unless you put it on paper, you're just not going to know what you're shooting for.
1: And what if you find that you're falling short?
2: Which, which, (laughs) Peter, right? I mean, it's the it's the majority of people that come to us because they've never thought about it before and 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 if they're falling short that's when we have to have a really but you're, you you want to know if you're falling short right and and if you are you you just have to sit down and 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 look where the opportunities are either you need to cut back i mean there's not many choices you either need to cut back on your lifestyle and see where you can cut you need to work longer which is why more and more people today are working longer to supplement their retirement needs so again, if you're falling short, you have to make a plan on, on how we're going to fill that gap. It's, it's as simple as that. Right. And, and
3: part of that could also include even creating more of a growth-oriented type of portfolio. Now, that, again, that doesn't mean to say you're 100% in equities or stocks, but it's you'd be surprised some may feel very confident being 50% in stocks and 50% in bonds, when in reality, that won't support their lifestyle. And so these are the conversations we have, and actually, you know, emulate some of the uh volatility within the portfolios to to make hmm. sure that
2: it fits their 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 profile. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the one thing that we kind of really haven't mentioned, because we are talking a lot about numbers, the emotional factor on this. Um, you know, we won't meet with a prospect unless we're if they're married or have a significant other. We won't meet unless. We're meeting with the two of them, because I can't tell you how many times the husband will say, my wife doesn't care about any of this. And my response is, well, if you didn't wake up tomorrow, I think your wife would care a lot, <laughs> oh, right? Yes. right? I mean, where's the income coming from? Where's her security? How does she know? So it's just so important as a couple to be on the same page, to understand how this works, because really at the end of the day, if, you, if one person's been doing this, it's hard enough for that person to make a shift. Now you're asking someone who's never been involved with this to make the shift and figure out and what they'll wind up doing is put their own, all their money in a bank because they're petrified and they'll wind up running out of money too, because Mm -hmm. we all know when you put your money in a bank, it just doesn't grow. Right. right. And and as Charlie mentioned, typically it's, it's one of the couple,
3: right? It's one of the individuals within a couple that is managing it, whether it's the husband or the wife. Um, And so from, from that standpoint, you know we ask well okay this is great who's currently managing it and naturally one of them will say it's 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 them and so you, the subsequent question is well what if you're no longer here so it's not just about even the distribution but it's also the management and what is the plan if something were to happen to one of you and yeah. and and now when you really think about that you start to really understand well maybe it's not all about me but maybe it's about my significant other
1: and about maybe your kids and the rest of your family, if you should become a a burden.
2: Correct. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We use the word financial dignity, right? You want to go through retirement with financial dignity. So you're not, you're not a burden to your children or anyone else. And, and for a lot of our clients that is very, you know, it's really important to them. They don't want to become that burden to their children, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately it probably happens more than people, you know, would like to see it happen.
1: All right, Charlie. This formula—I know everybody <laughs> wants to know what it is.
2: Yeah, it's not rocket science here, but but it, it's it works. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's let's say you need to replace two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of uh, income in retirement, and let's assume further you're getting fifty thousand dollars in Social Security, which you have to always factor in. So that means you need to replace two hundred thousand dollars from your investment portfolio. You simply take divide the remaining 200,000 000 by 0. 0.0045, which is a four and a half percent distribution rate. And in this example, you come up with $4.4 4 million. So that's the goal. You know that to retire, to maintain my lifestyle of $250,000 a year with social security, I need $4.4 million. So that's the starting point. And if you don't know that, what are you doing?
1: And that's a starting point, as you just said, what about inflation, the RMDs, everything else?
2: Yeah, so let's let's put out that let's let's extrapolate that out. So two hundred thousand in year one means that year five, just by trendline inflation, you need two hundred twenty-five thousand. So that's going to continue to grow and so on and so on and so on. And that's again going back to that's how you build your portfolio to keep up with inflation and to keep up with your income needs. And sometimes it's sacrifices just have to be made. But again, you just have to know what that number is. I can't be any to, more clear than that. Yeah, and you've
1: got to know where it is. As, as Peter, you were saying, IRAs, uh, 401ks, are, they're going to be taxed.
3: Yes, yes, they are going to be taxed. And it's probably one of the biggest hidden risks in retirement. Uh, many of us feel, hey, I've built, and, and rightfully so, uh, a large nest egg. And most of their dollars tend to be in pre-tax, right? Because they took a tax deduction and It's in an IRA or a 401k that they've accumulated over time. And now you have several million dollars in them. And then all of a sudden you're in your mid 60s and you say, well, you know what? I have some savings. I'm just going to draw from my regular accounts, my investment accounts, and I'm not going to touch my IRAs because I'm just going to run into a tax issue. And then all of a sudden the IRS says, hey, you know what? We're going to change required minimum distributions (laughs) from 70 and a half to 72. And everyone's like, yeah, this is great. And then they say, we're going to go to 73. Oh, this is even better. And then now it's going to go to 75. And then all of a sudden you start to think and you say, is this really a good thing? Because what I am actually doing is working against myself. And the government knows this. And the reality is you're accumulating and you're growing your IRA to the point where now your required minimum distributions in retirement are hundreds of thousands of dollars
1: and you don't even need the money and it's taxable
2: and it's totally taxable at the worst tax rate possible which is ordinary income which is only going in one direction higher there's so many clients that come to us and say this is this is the hardest check I have to take my requirement and distribution check <laughs> because as Peter said it's money they don't need and they're paying thirty to forty percent taxes on money they don't even need.
1: And you they used to say oh don't wait take it in retirement because you'll be at the lowest tax bracket that you're ever going to be in surprise that's not necessarily the case.
2: And and Patrice, that's such a great point. And there's two reasons why income needs do not go down every time. The first is healthcare, and the second are taxes. Because if it's all RMDs, you have to take a much larger distribution as you get older, which is probably always going to keep you in the highest tax bracket. So that's a huge myth for many people that have done a good job actually saving that their income needs are going to go down, they're just going to continue to rise because of taxes.
3: And 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 as we go through our cash flow planning, what we do is we look at the, like as we mentioned the taxation of these dollars. So, for instance, one would have an individual or joint account and a Roth, and let's say a pre-tax four hundred one k and IRA. And what we do is we look to optimize the taxation of it by blending all these different types of taxable accounts and tax free and, and pretext, And so by doing so, we're not backing ourselves into that corner, as we just mentioned.
1: Well, gentlemen, is there anything else that we've missed here that you want to make sure we talk about? Because I'll tell you, I think a lot of people are reaching for the computer right now. They want to know how to reach you.
2: Yeah. Or, or or they're jumping out a window because they figure, hey, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done, I haven't done it. I've got to do something. But, you know, I, we, we really feel That our clients um, are so well-prepared and ready for retirement, not because we're great stock pickers. Nobody's really a good stock picker. right? It's because we pay attention to these things that matter so much to our client, more so than giving me a 12% return. What does a 12% return matter if you're going to run out of money or if you don't know you're going to run out of money? So we we feel very adamant that our clients are some of the best prepared clients for retirement because of these things that we take so much time working with them on.
1: All right. So how can listeners reach you?
2: Listeners
3: could always reach us at the office at 631-777-1030.
1: And there will also be a link in the show notes for a website, folks. So retire with confidence. Isn't that what you deserve? And with dignity? Follow or subscribe to this podcast to know when the latest show is ready for you and share. Thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you for listening to your Pathways to Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at Wealth Enhancement Group or give us a call at 1-800-492-1222. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available.